G.K. Chesterton once said, Morality, like art, consists of drawing the line somewhere. This is Save vs. Ranked. Welcome to Save vs. Rant, the Everyman Gaming Podcast. I'm John. And I'm Jeremy. And today's topic is I'm Chaotic Evil. Now, when we say that phrase, we're talking about people who ruin people's fun at the gaming table by saying, I'm Chaotic Evil. I can do that. Of course I killed the other party member. I'm Chaotic Evil. Of course I burned down the village. I'm Chaotic Evil. Of course I murdered your pony. I'm Chaotic Evil. Of course I made this armor out of children. I'm Chaotic Evil. Dude, it's dark. It's effective. Who wants to attack children? Anyway, when we went out to start this episode, we originally planned just on talking about I'm Chaotic Evil and people who use alignment systems as an excuse to ruin everyone's good time, but we realized that there was actually a lot more material about alignment, and it's really not possible to discuss what it is about alignments that makes them dangerous to a uh, fun time if we don't actually describe and explain what alignments are. So I suppose that opens up the most logical question. Why are alignment systems used? Why does D&D have the two-axis alignment system? Why do we have to decide that this character is lawful good, this character is chaotic neutral. Sir Lancelot, the brave. Sir Galahad, the pure. Sir not appearing in this podcast. The, I suppose also there would be the maiden who can ride the unicorn. Yes, because she is pure of heart and pure of vagina. So let's go back. I, I have a couple books sitting around my chair right now. Here we go. This is a first edition Advanced Dungeons and Dragons Player's Handbook. And look at that. It's bookmarked right at the alignment system. How convenient. How convenient after all. Right here it says that chaotic evil, the, the major precepts of this alignment are freedom, randomness, and woe. Laws and order, kindness, and good deeds are disdained. Life has no value. By promoting chaos and evil, those with, of this alignment hope to bring themselves to positions of power, glory, and prestige in a system ruled by individual caprice and their own whims. Now that's pretty dickish, actually. Like, I don't know if I could ever play with a player playing a character with that alignment. But then again, that, that's first edition. That, that also has the, the wonderfully uh, awful chaotic neutral. Above respect for life and good or disregard for life and uh, promotion of evil, the chaotic neutral places randomness and disorder. Also known as someone who takes the Harvey Dent approach to life. Flip a coin. Uh, kill this peasant. Flip a coin. Give money to this troll. Flip a coin. Um, I suppose I'm sodomizing a tree. Yeah, it's all random. And it also had the true neutral problem. The people that had to maintain the balance of the wheel. Uh... Good and evil, chaos and law are all different spokes of this grand alignment system, which is really weird and awful. It led to the people who, during the middle of combat, would switch sides because I have to maintain the balance. 
In the revised second edition, they did make some changes to alignment. Uh, most notably, true neutral is better described. Uh, uh, true neutral characters believe in the ultimate balance of forces and they refuse to see actions either good or evil. Since the majority of people in the world make judgments, true neutral characters are extremely rare. True neutral do their best to avoid siding with the forces of either good or evil, law or chaos. It is their duty to see that all of those forces remained in balanced contention. Now, it does point out, though... A true neutral druid might join the barony to put down a tribe of evil gnolls, only to drop out and switch sides when the gnolls were brought to the brink of destruction. It's not saying that he would stop in the middle of combat. It's saying that when it becomes clear that the oppressive barony has become an overpowering force, that he would find himself siding with the gnolls. So it's a bit of an improvement, and definitely, you know, definitely pushing in the right direction. But true neutral is still kind of a ridiculous alignment at that point. Yeah, in in the first couple of editions, they really didn't know where they were going with alignment. They they didn't know how characterization really affected the game. It was more of a an aspect of a character that was being played like uh, old school computer games. Oh, you're a lawful neutral. You can't go through this door. Oh, you touched the good key with your evil character. Take 15 points of damage. It was more of a of a mechanic and a, a mechanical system than a tool for role-playing. Now, 3rd edition D&D, um, which brought about such innovations as the open gaming license and did a lot to codify the game in ways that previous editions perhaps had not so much done. Now, now bef- before you go on here... We really should mention, we both are huge fans of 3rd edition. 1st uh, edition and 2nd edition are interesting little bits for us, but we, I, I know that I have a, a strong place in my heart for 3rd edition. I cut my teeth on 2nd edition, but the thing with 3rd edition is that it felt like an improvement almost completely across the board, and... I even thought at the time that it was really weird how there were still people who preferred 2nd edition because I felt like 3rd edition was just an improvement in nearly every possible way. It was the pinnacle of my interest in the hobby. And speaking of improvements, the alignment system also changed. Yeah, they did a better job of explaining that good versus evil and law versus chaos are axes that... Characters who are good or evil are on this moral axis, and characters who are lawful or chaotic are on this ethical axis that determines how they treat society. This was alluded to and explained in previous editions, but it really wasn't described in as vivid detail and as clearly as in 3rd edition. 3rd edition also did this wonderful thing where they paired each alignment with a one-word description to make make it easier to understand what kind of person would have that alignment. Lawful good characters are described as crusaders. Neutral good characters as benefactors. Chaotic good characters as rebels. Lawful neutral characters as judges. Neutral characters as being undecided. Chaotic neutral characters are described as free spirits, which is a huge change from in previous editions where chaotic neutral characters were just lol random and didn't actually have any sort of characterization in that sense. They didn't have much of a driving force is the big thing. They just went around causing chaos. They were more agents of insanity or agents of destruction rather than people with goals of their own. 
Right, and, and describing them as free spirits goes a long way to giving you a more vivid mental image of what a person with that alignment would be like as an actual human being. Lawful evil is described as being a dominator, and it's also described as diabolical because devils have that alignment. I digress. Um, neutral evil as a malefactor, and finally chaotic evil as being the destroyer. And again, that's demonic because demons also have the chaotic evil alignment. It does a good job of explaining what these alignments represent, what kind of character you can play with these alignments, and more importantly, why these alignments are all good, or in the case of the evil alignments, dangerous things to play. Now, I know that there's a lot of people who view alignments as a straitjacket. Uh, oh, I don't want to play lawful good. It prevents me from having any fun. It prevents me from doing anything. I don't want to play any lawful alignment because it prevents me from playing my character. I don't want to play an evil character because it prevents me from going in the direction I want to go. And I've always seen the alignments as more of guidelines, general ideas for how your character goes, rather than um, strict rules for your character. And the the first few editions really, really, uh, uh, really latched on to it being a rule system. But third edition is where it started breaking free, going, no, you're... Your chaotic neutral character can be good every now and then. It's not that they're uh, intrinsically good. It's that they choose freedom over good or evil. Even an evil character might on occasion make good decisions. And that's something that 3rd edition did that previous editions perhaps did not so much do or allow. In fact, under some of the systems you might take an experience penalty if you started to segue into a different alignment. Which is a really stupid idea. I mean, why would you ever want to change alignments then? Why would you want to have a character arc? Why would you want your character to grow and change if you took all these experience penalties? Right. Um, one description that was given online uh, back before 3rd edition was ever released was uh, Han Solo in the Star Wars series. Starts out pretty solidly as chaotic neutral, maybe even chaotic evil. But by the end of the first trilogy, it's really hard to argue that he's not now a chaotic good or even neutral good character. And someone jokingly asked if he was taking half experience during the entire time he was with Luke and Leia. And see, that it's at that point, it becomes pretty obvious that a system that penalizes you for character growth is fundamentally flawed in some way. And that's a good segue. Speaking of systems that are fundamentally flawed, John... We went through 1st edition, 2nd edition, 3rd edition. Tell me about 4th edition. Okay, 4th edition. So, it's no secret that I have a lot of antipathy toward the 4th edition of Dungeons & Dragons. They did some things right, but they did so much very wrong. And alignment is a pretty good example of that. In 4th edition, there is only good, lawful good, evil, chaotic evil, and unaligned. There's no neutral alignments anymore. The good alignment is about being good and on the straight and narrow, and the lawful good alignment is just basically more so good. The evil alignment, on the other hand, is your evil, and chaotic evil is your super evil. Now, the argument was made that the reason this alignment system had been developed this way was that fundamentally lawful evil and neutral evil characters are very similar. 
both of them have the guiding factor that they're evil, but their evil serves a purpose. They're not chaotic evil. They don't do evil for evil's sake or evil for self-gratification necessarily. Meanwhile, in the good alignments, chaotic good and neutral good are still pretty much, I'm good and I'm unrestrained in my good. But that's not really how it's written out. It's it's the intent, perhaps, but the way it's written is that chaotic evil, chaotic evil characters have a complete disregard for others. Each believes he or she is the only being that matters and kills, steals, and betrays others to gain power. You lose that ethical angle, that, that whole how you behave with society. Now, the, one of the things that I did like that 4th Edition's alignment did is it introduced the idea of unaligned. People that weren't really concerned about this big ethical dilemma. Good, evil, law, chaos. Nah, man, I'm a peasant. I don't care. I'm just gonna do what's best for me right now. And more, more of a, a self-serving uh, sort of neutrality, which uh, if we segue real quick over to Rifts, they don't have any neutral alignments in Rifts. They just have good, selfish, and evil, which is definitely an interesting way of going about it, uh, saying that you can go for good, you can go for evil, or you can go for yourself. It's an interesting idea, but it really feels like Rifts only has alignment because D&D had alignment, and they had to do what D&D did, but they had to do it more differently than D&D did. More differently than D&D did. I love that. Alliteration's wonderful. Ah, yes. Added alliterative appeal. So, the point being that alignment systems early on were frequently more or less straitjackets. There were rules tied to them that made it more difficult for you to change alignment. And in later systems, it became clearer that character arcs were too interesting to be confined to characters willing to take notable penalties. The most recent edition of Dungeons & Dragons, 5th edition, which I have a huge crush on, all the alignments are boiled down to one-sentence descriptions. Lawful good creatures can be counted on to do the right thing as expected by society. Done. That's, that's all lawful good is. Neutral evil is the alignment of those who do whatever they can and get away with, without compassion or qualms. Once again, one sentence, we're done. Neutral is the alignment for, of those who prefer to steer clear of moral questions and don't take sides, doing what seems best at the time. Nice, simple, easy, gives you ideas for your character without really steering them down a hallway. It's more of an open path in the middle of the woods rather than a narrow hallway with spikes on each wall. Now, it's worth noting that in fantasy role-playing games such as D&D, there's often a compulsory notion to alignment that there are creatures that tend to be evil and creatures that tend to be good and entities that embody evil or good uh angels in D&D are good they they embody good devils embody lawful evil demons embody chaotic evil even in fifth edition they mention that the evil deities created a number of the races like the orcs who have to fight against that urge to be evil, even when they are good at heart. One of the principles of alignment and how it works is that there is an assumption that evil creatures tend to more frequently be powerful on their own, but less well-organized or less capable of holding together complex societies than good creatures who tend to be weaker on their own. It's kind of like if good is... Healthy exercise, careful diet planning, and a generally bright outlook on life. 
evil is steroids and protein powder. But the point being that ultimately the idea (laughs) is that evil tends to consume its own and therefore is self-limiting in that respect. Everyone in an evil society is trying to climb their way to the top and they're willing to trample over everyone else to do it. Good societies don't focus so much on individuals trying to achieve great personal power. Instead, society itself is structured for positive outcomes and for good things. So good characters tend to be better at organization. So, so John, I've got an interesting little thought experiment here to get us... Well, you'll see. Uh, say that we, we've just got done uh, clearing out an orc camp. Uh, we, we've we're started to divide up the gold, okay. and suddenly we find a small, a small hovel with orc mothers and orc babies. They're defenseless. They're crying. Their husbands and defenders have all been slain by these outsiders. What do we do? Do we take the last bit of money that they have and go back to our uh, go back to our town? Do we murder them all outright? I mean, they are orcs. Orcs are evil. Orcs are inherently evil. But in role-playing games, there tends to be this idea that even evil creatures can be redeemed under certain circumstances. And furthermore, that taking certain actions against evil creatures is in and of itself evil. So role-playing games tend to bring up these weird moral dilemmas when you talk about good and evil being actual physical forces, actual objective ideas that can be measured. I mean, if you're evil and you try to pick up a Holy Avenger, it'll harm you. That leaves very little question that evil is a real thing that can really be measured. But there are some games that morality is more of a Shades of Grey style system. Uh, Specifically in the world of darkness, morality is more of a character's sense of compassion for fellow human beings and respect for the rule of law. And less inherent good and evil. I mean, in the world of darkness, basic morality is uh, a seven. And petty theft causes you to have a moral quandary. But there are some people that petty theft is perfectly fine. Eh, intentional property damage, such as arson, is perfectly fine for some people. Murder is perfectly fine for some people. The sliding scale morality in the world of darkness is built to um and we're of course talking about the new world of darkness as distinct from the old world of darkness or the newer world of darkness the chronicles of darkness anyway alignment in that system is under the morality and it's a single sliding scale from actions that are less disruptive to society and the individual to actions that are more disruptive to society and the individual and having a higher morality means not only is your character less susceptible to certain supernatural threats but they're more likely to be mentally balanced and stable now the most interesting thing that i uh, like about this is Normal humans have morality, but all the supernaturals have their own code of conduct. Uh, Vampires are trying to remain as close to human as possible, not letting the horrid beast well up inside them and take over and turn them into just a monster. Um, Some of the others even go further away from it. Uh, I believe that you have a werewolf book over there. Yeah, I've got Werewolf the Forsaken here, and Werewolf replaces the ordinary morality system with Harmony, 
which is how in tune your character is with their spiritual side as well as their physical side. Um, Harmony has some sins at higher Harmony are things like not shape-shifting for more than three days. Most characters aren't going to care about that, but those with very high Harmony might suffer some sort of mental break due to this sort of thing. Or not obtaining their own food, carrying silver weapons, all the way down to... Uh, harmony of one for things like betraying of the pack or hunting werewolves for food you know one of the reasons that the supernatural groups in the world of darkness have different systems of morality is to enforce monstrous behavior and that is for example werewolves don't behave like humans they behave like werewolves they run in packs they hunt together they try to defeat spirits they try to keep the harmonious balance of spiritual and physical within the world. Why do they do that? Because there's an actual game mechanic tied to doing that and taking acts outside of that causes you to fail. Humans can't behave like werewolves and expect to be able to function within a werewolf society because they don't have these inherent now, one of, spiritual one of these systems that's the most alien ways. and yet easy to grasp once you start reading it is actually changeling. Yeah. Now, changelings are people who were stolen away at uh, at a very young age by great fairy creatures, taken to the fairy realms, and morphed and changed into fey beings. Now, they've come back to this world and are trying to regain their life to... Uh, take back their own sense of self. And so their morality is more acts of trying to remain themselves and not have things inflicted upon them. I believe that you can explain that slightly better there, John. Well, changelings have breaking points. And those breaking points are based on how high their clarity is, just like in the other World of Darkness games. But the breaking points aren't necessarily things they do. They can be things that happen to them. For example, if you have 10 clarity, um, minor unexpected life changes can cause you to suffer a breaking point because you're not well balanced for that sort of thing. Changelings are unhinged and unbalanced and have difficulty holding on to their sense of self. Anything that damages or erodes that causes them serious distress and harm. If we move down to things like um, number one, Things like their mortal identity is suddenly and unexpectedly destroyed. You know, what does that all entail? Well, you know, is that a severe act of identity theft? Is it that they're discovered as frauds? Any sort of thing like that. Anything wait, wait, that... Wait, 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 hold, hold on. Wait, 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 hold, hold on. Wait, so a changeling could have yeah, yeah. their if whole somebody world stole taken your identity up by identity and theft? started doing things with, with your identity... Um, it's not difficult to say that that would be uh, Clarity 4, um, extreme unexpected life changes right there. So you could just deal with it by going, yeah, no, that was me. $2,000 overdrawn on my bank account? Yeah, no, that was definitely a thing I did. It had to be a thing I did. Otherwise, someone else is acting on my identity. That can't be real. <laughs> yeah, see, so Changeling enforces, again, it exists to enforce certain codes of behavior, certain things your character does based on these pieces of information. 
the rules of the game support a specific type of in-character behavior, and that's one thing that the World of Darkness has always done very well. Now, in the new Chronicles of Darkness, they actually took some of these in different directions. Uh, Harmony, for example, with Werewolf. Um, Harmony is no longer a single sliding scale like the other moralities. Now, if you have high Harmony, it means you're more in touch with your spiritual side, and low Harmony is being more in touch with your physical human side. So you'd want it to be a balance between the two and less of a sliding scale down being bad. Yeah, five is five is dead center. Ten is very spiritual, not very physical, and zero is very physical, not spiritual at all. And you can actually shift between these by taking certain actions. And I guess the idea of a werewolf uh, eating a whole bunch of snack cakes and stuff to try to get in touch with his physical side is kind of a funny image. But it does, again, it it enforces a certain type of in-game behavior. So all of this that we've been talking about has been in-game beha- uh, behavior for characters. Frankly, that that's fine. Characterization is fun. Uh, one of my favorite character stories is the Powder Keg of Justice. It's uh, And if you, if you don't know the story, I'm not going to repeat it all right here. Just know that it was a player acting fully in character, uh, fully as a lawful good paladin, and role-playing so well that it actually um, lets the rest of the party understand that lawful good isn't uh, isn't a fun basher. It can still have fun. It can still do... Uh, it can still adventure and do everything that the party would want to do. I, I suppose that the, uh, the big reason that I want to do this episode is to talk about the people who kill the fun at the gaming table. If we have six people sitting around and one person is going around marauding, raiding, killing the other players, and justifying it by going, oh, I'm chaotic evil, that's more of an issue than just their character. The thing to keep in mind is that we're playing games together. And in many games, infighting is an important part of the game. It's something that's expected of the game. But it's notable that you can have infighting without being a complete jerk about it your character can still have conflict with the other characters and do that in an interesting way that brings something to the game instead of just making you a combative asshole alignment isn't a license to behave like a jerk there are two major rules at at a role-playing table rule zero is of course the dm is always right if the dm says something it goes the second rule though is frequently called Wheaton's Law. Don't, don't be, a be a dick. Like, seriously, just don't. Don't, don't be, be a There's dick. no good reason to treat the other players improperly just because of your alignment. Your alignment is not an excuse to be an asshole. Your alignment is a tool meant to be used within the game. Alignment systems are meant to promote certain types of play, certain types of behavior, and, importantly, to also support the in-game systems as i said a holy avenger touching a holy avenger when you're evil causes harm this this gives the game a dynamic and a dimension that wouldn't otherwise be there interesting thought john just a little aside what if you and your adventuring party are going through a cave and you happen upon the sword in a in an anvil on a stone and one of you goes up to uh, reach out for it, going, Ah, it's a Holy Avenger. 
I'm a paladin. I might as well be able to pull this out. And you touch it, and it causes you great harm. And it suddenly, you suddenly realize with great shock and horror that you're evil. I think I might do that in a, in a game some point. Yeah, you've been evil all along. Impure! Impure! <laughs> Alright, so all, all of that is, is good and fine and wonderful. Please, people, don't be a dick. Be good to one another. Please, please, please. We play games to have fun, to be with the people we care about and enjoy their company. And when you're being a dick, you're not contributing to that. You're making that something that's difficult and unpleasant, and nobody wants that. We're all in it to have a good time, and alignment can be part of that. It can contribute to the good time we have. It can be part of the system. It can enforce certain behaviors within the game that add flavor to the setting. It doesn't have to be seen as an opportunity to disrupt the game and to cause your fellow players to have less fun. All right, so that's about it for this episode. Next episode is Initiative. Initiative. How you decide who goes first. Pretty simple. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Let's see uh, exactly what we have to say about that. Until next time, this is Save vs. Rant. Thank you very much for listening. Maria Montessori once said, First idea the child must acquire is the difference between good and evil. Save vs. Rant is a Tabletop Gamers Guild production. Your hosts are John and Jeremy, with music by Timmy Skittles. Save vs. Rant is recorded on dueling laptops in front of a silent and invisible studio audience. Visit us at SaveVersusRant.com or on Facebook or Twitter at Save Rant. We'd love to hear from you.